Good morning. Come on into my world, Steffi's world. I am Steffi Girl. It is 9.25 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. I hope all is well wherever you are in the world. I feel a little bit of that fall coolness in the air. Had a pretty decent night's sleep. I'm not going to say um, good. Still toss and turn, but it was at a minimal level. But I'm loving the cool afternoons and nights and early mornings so um that's all that's happening now here today's podcast this um particular episode is going to be dedicated to me talking about the five-year anniversary of hurricane michael for those of you who don't know five years ago on this day mexico beach and my city, Panama City, was basically leveled from Hurricane Michael. It is not widely talked about for some reason. You see it mere mention, but those of us who lived through it, those of us who evacuated and had to come home to see the devastation, we know what happened on that day, and it would be forever etched in our minds. So, I'm going to talk about it because I was directly affected along with just about everybody here in some way or another. It's um, my way of healing, of my way of dealing with it, and just to really let you know what happens before and during a natural disaster. For those of you who don't know, I am in the Panhandle of Florida, more um, direct Panama City. I um, have grew up here pretty much a lifelong resident, but I have left and returned. But I've always dealt with hurricanes, the threat of tropical storms, tropical depressions, you name it, we've had it here. We never evacuated. I think one time, long, long time ago, and I must was a little girl. My parents said they lived in a mobile home, and we left because we was in a low-lying area, which was off, of, I believe, Watson Bio, maybe. Hurricane Michael was different all the way around. Um, two days out, Ish got real when I was um, dismissed early from a employee symposium that we were having. The day before, and I have pictures and documentation, I walked the marina, which ultimately got destroyed the morning before. I went to the pig to get supplies, getting prepared like anybody else. And went home to basically, excuse me, as they say, hunker down. I went to bed that night. Hurricane Michael was a Hurricane 3. A Cat 3, excuse me, Hurricane 3, a Cat 3. When I woke up that morning, it had upgraded to a 4. That gave me pause for calls, and I asked my dad... Hey, are you sure that you don't want to evacuate? 
I was just going to leave with the clothes on my back, my purse and my phone. I knew my parents needed to get some sort of a bag together, medications, things of that sort. And he said, no, he said, normally um, when hurricanes come ashore, they downgrade. I was thinking we was going to be okay. But something was odd that morning. I began to pace and that's, that's normally not me. I was walking back and forth from the my room to the living room and I was at my um, childhood home. I was at the, my parents' house with them so we could all be together and plus I had had a fire at my primary location so my house was gutted and me and my son was staying with them so I got the repairs done. And I felt uneasy in my spirit. I did a couple of last minute videos, even went on YouTube. A lot of people was inquiring about what was going on. And I'm like, you know, I'm okay. Well, then probably around 11, and I'm going on estimates here, it started to get real. The condition started to deteriorate. It started to get ramped up and the boys my parents have four grand boys their basketball goal toppled and crashed to the ground in the backyard so you knew the force of the winds trees were swaying and bending and my neighbor's tree went in the backyard and before we lost power I saw Gust, a thousand pound steer, and that's no bull. Gus is a staple out there at Angelo's uh, State Pick restaurant on the beach, and it's a thousand pound steer. He was broke at his ankles, and he top, toppled over. I started to get wor- worried because that was the force of the winds, and I showed my dad. I said, just took Gus out. A lady, and I don't know who she was, was in Alabama. But she saw footage of her house, her beach house down in Mexico Beach. Basically, as we said, a house on stilts that was raised. The water just came in and just took it out effortlessly. It just took pretty much the legs out. And she was like, that's my house. It began to get even worse. Conditions worse. So by this time, we're... 11 o'clock at noon and it's bad and I began to get emotional and it got on a family member's nerves and I was told to shut up but to stop it and I did I went back to my bedroom one last time sat on the bed I think I might have did one of those videos. And for some reason, I migrated back to the den. Of course, we lost power. And we was just sitting there, you know, just waiting to see what was going to happen. By 1246... I think everything went haywire. We heard a snap. And my dad said, what was that? And we heard calamity. 
my son went back to my bedroom and tried to open my door and he did but he said mom is taking your room a tree branch had clipped the roof the wind got up under there and began to lift it when it did my room the same thing happened in my parents room and you could hear the vortex and the wind come in there and it was tossing everything about anything that was on a dresser anything that wasn't down if that wind could lift it that's what it proceeded to do the force of the wind felt like the house was shaking it was a terrible sound that I can't get out of my head to this day and I am afraid of high winds I can't I can't do high high winds I probably have PTSD from all of this when I tell you what ultimately happened so it feels like the house is shaking and we begin to see daylight as the roof began to leave the house so we're moving like it's happening in the bedrooms and we're 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 like okay we got to move to another part of the house i was ready to get out the house at that point so i opened the front door attempting to just look out and there, we had a car in the garage and a car in the in the yard and my mother had a planter that had her ferns in there and it was two on the porch and they're huge. They were huge and they were heavy. And she had asked my dad beforehand, hey, could you move them in? And he said, no, they're gonna be just fine. He ain't want to mess with them. And one of the columns at their house, because their house had built been built from the ground up in the 70s, probably around 78. One of the columns was a little weaker and dad was beginning to say, hey, we're gonna have to do some repairs. The house was probably about 40 years old. And I watched that planter slide into that weakened column, which ultimately took it out, which caused the front porch to crash. So I'm standing at the door. I'm getting wet. I'm getting pelted by the wind. And I'm watching the front porch just crash. So I closed the door real quick. I didn't want my mom to see. And my dad was like, we're going to have to get out of this house because the house is literally coming apart. So we went to the dining room and me, mom, my son, and my dad got in four corners. Like we was almost holding up the walls and we was trying to strategize and plan what we're gonna do. So he said, we're gonna have to get out of here and we're gonna go to the car that was in the yard, the car that I drive. It was a um, Mitsubishi Sport Outlander, the smaller one. And he said, we need to get in that car. Well. He did not have his wallet or his keys, and he needed to go to the bedroom. Yes, down the hallway, where by this time it was ceiling installation and everything was crashing and falling in, and he had to make it back down there to his bedroom to get the things so we can get out of there. He did, and he ended up having to run back up the hall to dodge debris that was happening it, it 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 was a mess when he went back down the hallway mom wanted us to see what was going on because we was hearing calamity in the garage 
And as we looked out, everything out of the attic was coming down on her car that was parked in the garage. And the vortex was starting to get in there. And we, me and my son slammed the door and we got up against it. It sounded like something was trying to break in with the knocking around of things and how it was trying to blow the door in. So... As we were doing that, I pulled out my phone and I sent one last message to someone and I said, I love you, but I'm not going to make it. Because at that point, I felt like one or if not all of us was going to lose our lives. It was it was too bad. It was too much. And I don't know no other way to decide it, but just everything went haywire. We literally, my dad said, stay close walk close along the side of the house and we're going to get in the car we walked over the back door um, in the garage the force of the winds had pulled the garage door almost completely off the track and it had flipped it as I said it kind of did the dippity do what was half closed half open and we didn't have time to try to fool with it to get mom's car out Plus, her car had ceiling um, tile, plaster, parts of the Christmas tree, and stuff on it. It was too much in there, and we didn't know whether the garage was going to completely cave in, so we didn't have time to try to get her car out. Um, We walked over the back door that was completely blew in. As we tried to stay close to the house, the bricks was being pulled from the house. I even got pelted in my leg by one, and I started to run, and I hit the automatic locks, and we just basically kind of jumped in. And when we got there, we sat there in silence for a minute, and look what was happening to the house. The house didn't take a direct shot. You would have thought that a tree would have crashed through. No, this was the wind got up under there and peeled that roof like a tuna can. And it was tossing us and far. It felt like an amusement park ride and I was so scared that car was small that it was going to be lifted up off the ground. It was a sea of white with the rain. You couldn't even, you could barely see your hand in front of your face but the visibility was off and Hurricane Michael was here. Dad had told us when we decided to not evacuate that in the thick of it it was going to come a point to where if it got really bad, we couldn't call for any help because the um, officials had said at some point they deemed to where nobody's going out until after the storm. They will not come rescue you if you have a medical emergency. They're not coming out in the midst of that hurricane, and that's where they was. There was no one we could call. There was nothing we could do. We were totally on our own. Now, some would tell you that was a dumb Mistake. We never evacuated. We didn't think it was going to be that bad. We was in a brick house. There were not mandatory evacuations for us. So that's why we decided not to leave. It wasn't because we were stupid. It wasn't because we didn't have the money or the means. We just chose not to leave because we didn't think it was going to be that bad. We underestimated it. I get a call while all this is going on. Don't ask me how a call came through. Uh, I guess, I think I must have been with AT&T. 
it was my boss at the time saying, Stephanie, we're off of work tomorrow. And I'm sitting here like, I knew she had evacuated. She wasn't even here. And I said in the calm, probably it was a little tremble in my voice. I know that I'm not going to be there tomorrow because we just lost the house. And I'm a little busy right now. We're in the car. Okay, we not have a, we're not going to be at work tomorrow. Okay, that's all I can say. And she was like, oh my gosh. She said, as soon as you can, when you can, please give me a call and let me know how you guys are and how you made out. And I was thinking we may not make it. And I said, okay. And I, I hung up. I couldn't even get mad because I look back on it now. She didn't have any idea of what was happening. I don't know because the news station um, was not far from my house. They had already lost. So I don't think she could see actually what happened, what was happening because I don't think she ever would have called. At first I thought it was insensitive and crazy. And finally it just stopped. It got eerily quiet. And my dad said that I is passing over and we got to get out of here or we not going to make it. He said it's going to be more on the other side of that. I was thinking we can't take any more. The car hadn't been lifted off of the ground, but every tree around us looked like it was down. I didn't want to see what was on the backside of nothing. And we tried to get out, but we couldn't drive the car. I don't know where we would have went because the trees was down, the roads was impassable. So my dad began to call my sister and she wasn't picking up. She was across town with her youngest son in one of her other son's apartment. They were riding it out there. And nothing came and people began to get out and you begin to see people walking and our neighbors called out to us. She couldn't see us, but my son hollered back over there to her that we were okay. And, um, my dad was trying to get in touch with one of his neighbors to see could somebody get us because we were scared to death sitting there and he also told me during that time take pictures of the house that was for insurance purposes that was probably the hardest pictures that we ever had to take I my son ran back in there real quick because I think I left my purse and he said my purse was sitting in a little bit of water in our um, rocking chair in my room, but it wasn't submerged and he got my camera case. It wasn't destroyed. So I was able to take uh, pictures. The case was a little damp and had some plaster on it, which I still have on it to this day. And my stuff wasn't destroyed. All of us didn't go in and do a walk through the house. He just ran through and got that. And we sat there. People was walking through the neighborhood in disbelief. The um, neighborhood store, which was the MLK store, which was at uh, 15th and MLK, opened up and people were able to get some things out of it. You start seeing people pass by with a few grocery bags. Um, my sister didn't make it over just some hours later to get us and we just sat in the car. And in the silence, we prayed. We prayed, but that, that wasn't 
that wasn't everything. She finally got us, and as we rode around town, that's when it really got scary. Every telephone pole looked like it was down or in the street. The railroad cars on 231 were flipped over on their sides. The hotels by the mall, people were outside and windows were blown out. And we made it to her house. She didn't live far from us. And we stayed the night there. And I slept on the floor. And when I finally closed my eyes, it probably was more tired than I've ever been. The next day, I got up. And we had to make a... We wanted to get back over to the house to see what really was the... Survey the damage see what was what and as we was trying to walk over there as a family my dad just realized he, my dad had health problems he's like I can't do this so we sent him and my mama back home and me the boys and my sister went back over there and it was eye opening it, it was eye opening um, we saw the damage it looked like a bomb had went off in there and I sat in the car and turned on the radio and I started listening to WKGC which is the college uh, the radio station that's out of the college and they was giving out a lot of valuable information of what to do proceeding and that's when I first heard you need to register for FEMA you need to do this you need to do that so I began to take notes and when I made it over back to my parents I told them what they needed to do as soon as I could get them out to get to some of these things. The insurance companies came here and set up an insurance village in the uh, Sam's parking lot to where you could talk to your agents and go ahead and start your claim. Um, We didn't have any power. The water wasn't good and it was just a lot and I heard the sound of chainsaws probably two days later on my street and they cut and got us out once they got us out I got the car out and we were able I think my brother-in-law came over and helped my dad they took the garage door off by the hinges and got my mom's car out and we had vehicles to be able to um get out and I got them to where they needed to go to start the process with some of this but finally we needed to get somewhere with lights running water and we got our Dodge we left for Dothan that night it was awful it was a lot of law enforcement in town I never forget a uh, state trooper yelled at my mom he was doing the flow of traffic and she probably just was just with everything and he was just hollering and screaming at her to go and I was just looking at him like dude can you give us just just some patience I hate when things happen like that because people come in and they come in with a heightened sense of whatever and they are just not nice they are not um the National Guard made their way here. 
they were at distribution centers for us to get our MREs, our supplies, and that sort of thing. Now, all of them were nice. You just drive up, and they put it right in your trunk. But we went to Dothan for about a day. And it was good to have a hot bath or shower to eat. We went to Walmart and got out of, as I call our hurricane clothes. My sister uh, worked in the healthcare industry, so I had some of her uh, pants on that looked like uh, scrubs. And that's what we did. And when we tried to come back, we couldn't get in because all the vultures, it brings, that time brings out vultures like the carnival. You have people that's coming here to quote unquote work, but they're coming here to take advantage of people. So you had a, traffic top on 231 which is the artery coming here and they was checking ids to see if you were um residents they really wanted just only the residents to come back in um volunteer uh people and that sort of thing but it was looky lose and everything we had a man up there saying he was there another way to get because he needed to go check on his beach house and we looking at him like we don't even have a house and you're down here to check on your beach house really but um, it was a lot. We ended up turning off, and Dad was like, just get me on I-10, and we'll go as far as we can till we get another room. And we ended up in Loxley, Alabama, and we was trying to put together a plan of where to go next. And I told my dad, we're just about to kiss uh, Biloxi. Let's pull our resources together. We all can get rooms. We all got comp cards. Let's go there for a couple of days. I did not want to come back to this garbage. I did not. It was a mess here. And I just did not. And my sister called and was like, you can come stay with us. We got a condo on the beach and it's for the families of um, first responders and that sort of thing. And we got in there. So we came back. And once we got back in town, that's when it was pretty much like on and popping as far as trying to get our business and get somewhere to uh, stay. I wanted my parents Settled. That was my biggest thing. Um, I didn't go to work for almost a week, and I told him I'm not coming back until my parents are settled. We don't have a place to stay. We're bouncing around, and I need them settled. I just couldn't believe that they was just on me. When are you coming to work? When are you coming? They, they called me to the point I turned my phone off, and I very rarely turn my phone off because I couldn't believe to me how insensitive they were being about calling me. So finally, I think that Saturday, I went back in to work. It was taking you hours to get anywhere and then with me living on the beach it took me even longer to get in town and to get back home and it was just hot mess central it was just hot mess central out there on the beach there were tourists down here as a man asked us as we had our things in garbage bags and um I said our, our clothes had the hurricane smell, even though we had newer clothes from Walmart. The clothes that was in the bag was clothes that we need to wash. And he was like, well, are you um, evacuees or are you visiting? And we was looking at him like, why are you here? At work, we traded our stories. The library wasn't open to the public, but they was trying to quote unquote suck the moisture uh out the roof had damaged everything was not damaged um you had people that wanted to run up here by, with the books from the from the truckloads because they assumed that the library was damaged it wasn't it was a little bit of damage to the roof which caused leaks but 
it was not like all that the amount of glass and the structure of that building you would have thought that it would have blew the windows out it wasn't like that it wasn't like that at all the initial walk through to my parents house was hard because it was evident that we had lost virtually everything that was in the house so uh, some things we were able to salvage but we lost a lot and to have your life turned upside down I can't really dog the officials some things I have a problem with but for the most part we did get what we need and I think it could have been a lot worse I'm approaching the half an hour mark so I'm gonna get ready to wrap up with this part one I think the organizations that came in immediately World Kitchen I will forever be grateful to Chef Andreas. Mercy Chefs, who fed us then and in the months to come. Mercy Chefs was here a while. And they made sure that the residents ate. Of course, Red Cross and Salvation Army. Say what you want to. We ate from those trucks and they fed us. It was days when I was over at the house and the truck would just pull up looking for people and you just go out and the woman told me, eat these. It was just hot dogs, chips, and a drink. She said, eat these and just take a load off because I told her that I was in my room just trying to see what could I salvage. I thank them. But one thing I want to toss out before I close is that While the national news was overlooking us, they showed only a couple of pictures, a couple of cash, gas. I think Good Morning America sent some people here, but they didn't walk all over and see everything. We always had, they started with the tagline, 850 strong, panhandle strong. They're still using it. And there was something called a Hurricane Michael Fund. And we know most of the time there's an outpouring of support. I always wonder, where did all that money go to? In my part two, I'm going to get into the aftermath and some things that happened and came about as a result of Hurricane Michael. It's been five years. Some things have changed and some things have not. If you want to connect with me, you can follow me at Cosby, C-O-S-B-E-E on Twitter or X. I miss Cosby on Insta and on Spiel. If you find yourself stopped by the police, try to make it home safely out of that stop alive. If you're still masking, mask up over your mouth and over your nose. Try your best to love one another. During that time, it taught me life is fleeting. And you could lose or come close to losing yours in the blink of an eye. Say what needs to be said. Do what needs to be done. Try to fix what you can while you're here. Till the next time, peace.